to the Soulish Podcast. My name is Whitney Apke and I am the host of the Soulish Podcast and it is such an honor and a privilege to be hosting this podcast, this platform, this community of people that are on their soul journeys and sharing in their soul journeys and um, developing and growing and expanding together is just awesome. And I love this podcast. I love this community and I love this platform. And I really had a heart from the beginning of March, 2020, it dropped in me to start this podcast. And I had never even thought of doing a podcast. It wasn't something that was initially ever on my heart, but it dropped really heavy in my heart. And I just knew that I had to answer that call. And this has just been such a huge part of my journey in spiritual awakening and helping me to learn and develop as well as give you guys the same content and encourage you and inspire you on your soul journey. And it's just been such an honor to do this with you. I think that's been one thing that I just wasn't expecting is to be doing this alongside people in the community to be encouraged together, you know, and as we share in our journeys and I love bringing on guests who are truth seekers, spiritual leaders, um, even health and wellness practitioners that have that understanding of the body, soul, spirit connection. And it's just been such a privilege to meet so many astrologers and Daniel, the past life regressionist, and to have people that are just thought leaders, you know, people that actually sit down and take the time to think through things and to share their knowledge and their understanding, their wisdom with us. It's just been such an honor and privilege. It has enhanced my journey in such a huge way. And I know that it's enhanced yours as well. If you've been a part of the Soulish community from the beginning or halfway through, or it's been a couple episodes, I'm just so happy to have you here again for yet another episode. And I'm sure when you saw the title of this episode, that you thought, huh, like that sparked your curiosity, you know, that made you want to click and listen. And so I'm so excited for that because that means that this resonates with you in a real way. You can relate. And this is a subject that I know is going to help a lot of people because it's been quite the journey for me discovering my dependency and my insatiable desire to be appreciated and valued wherever I am with whoever I am, no matter where I am and what I'm doing. And I realized that this was a huge pitfall in my leadership with people and how I led people because I was an insecure leader leading people, as well as journeying through life and realizing that by focusing on that need to be respected, valued, appreciated, wanted, right? That actually led me on a different path, maybe what was necessarily intended. Now I'm careful with that because I do believe that all things work for the highest good and benefit of all. And I do believe that eventually, even though it may be a more painful, hurtful, dark path that I took in some cases, harder, tougher, more challenging, it still led me to where I am today. And I still have that wisdom and that understanding. And it's what helped me learn those lessons, maybe the hard way. And I could have maybe learned them not the hard way. And what ended up happening is because of life decisions, I ended up learning these hard lessons and I ended up learning them over and over and over again. And it's so true um, that life will just smack you in the face until you wake up, you know, until you look at it and you look at the, those things that are unhealed. And so 
let's dive into this subject because I think it's so good. And I'm already like feeling like I'm diving in and I just want to, I just want to get into this, into the depth of all of, all of what encompasses us feeling our worth and our value, knowing our worth and our value. So before we get started, I wanted to just let you guys know, I have an amazing membership that is a container for those that are wanting to connect deeply with themselves, with others, and with the energies around them. I really felt it on my heart to have a more private community space. Um, and so I decided to go with patreon.com. And so you can find me at patreon.com forward slash Whitney Apke, and you can look at the two tiers I have. I actually do weekly energy forecasts via Cardology, and this is a new divination and new tool that is very in like kind to astrology, but it's very unique and very specific. It's very much science-based, math-based. It actually originated 5,000 years ago with the Magi and has been passed down secretly for thousands of years. And this divination was uncovered and discovered and basically researched thoroughly. And now we have the ability to learn more about it and to actually use it as another tool to help us connect deeply with ourselves and with the energies around us and to have a better understanding of even our life purpose and why we incarnated here in this time and what we came here to learn, to grow, to experience. Um, so it's really a really cool tool. And I've been studying it this year and also have readings available if that's something that you're interested in and it piques your interest. But with the Patreon membership, I give weekly energy forecasts. And I also give the overview of the month and of the season, the quarter of the year. So it's really thorough, tons of understanding of the energies that are interacting with us, um, how that interacts with us, how it can manifest in your life, and basically what cards are you being dealt. Um, so I do weekly energy forecasts. I also do for the awakened tier, the $20 tier, I do intuitive tarot and oracle card readings, which are first picked by yours truly. And then I allow my patrons to intuitive, intuitively select the cards that are standing out to them, which helps my patrons to develop that connection to their inner wisdom, their inner guidance system, their intuition. And that helps develop their connection and understanding of like, they, they are divinely guided, you know, and inspired. And so I love that one of my favorite things. And then I have a monthly healing circle for all patrons. And this is so much fun and so amazing. I love it. It is the best part of, I think personally, the Patreon membership, uh, because the healing circle is such an amazing time. And I had my first healing circle last month during the full moon and all of my patrons that attended had amazing, amazing shifts and experiences. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful moment. I knew it would be. And I had been on my fast, as you guys know, if you've listened to previous episodes, I was on a 21 day fast and that was day 20. So I was feeling very high vibe and it was really, really awesome. So I, um, I just can't say enough about this container. And I just know if you feel a pull, if you feel a draw 
to check it out and to even become a patron, I know it's meant for you. And if it's not, that's totally okay. You know, no hard feelings. <laughs> I love you regardless. So it's all good. But I just wanted to make that available to you guys and let you know, because there's something about it when we tune into the energies around us, when we connect with our intuition, when we are in a community in a safe space where we can develop together and grow together, there's just something so special about that. And this is so cheap, so affordable. I made it that way on purpose because I didn't want anybody to be turned away because of finances. And I know that there's a lot of programs out there and a lot of things, but I thought this membership is accessible. This membership is going to be super helpful. And I really believe you get more value for what you give in value. You get back a um, hundred times fold. So I love it. And just wanted to make that available to you guys. And then I also have bookings as well for intuitive Reiki, for cardology, for spiritual coaching, for tarot and oracle card readings. So you can always DM me and let me know, hey, I'm interested, but this is what's going on in my life. Not sure what I need. And I'm happy to be there to support you and to help you in making that decision. So just wanted to start with that. So you guys knew that and had that in your, in your understanding and your sphere <laughs> of what's available to you. So let's get into this. Let's dive into this. So actually was on a live was it last week and this came up in the live and I realized that this is such an important subject because it's something that we all experience at some point in our life we all want to be valued we all want to be appreciated respected honored we all want to be to add value and to be valued I think is just a basic human need and so it is not inherently wrong to want to be appreciated and valued, but where it can be harmful and hurtful for us in our journey or cause more challenges than maybe we necessarily need to experience in this life is when we depend on appreciation and value and acknowledgement. And we need that from other people in order to feel valued and worthy. And this is something I think I'll always preach on, I'll always talk on, I'll always just stand on my little soapbox and say, you're valued, you're worthy. And so I know you guys know that. And we can very much hear that and go, yeah, okay. You know, and it just like kind of, you know, flies over. But the problem with that flying over is that it never actually lands somewhere that is deep and meaningful and helps us to connect and to, to understand just how valuable we are and to understand our worth and our value and what we have to give. So I always kind of relate this back to church only because I grew up in church. And so that was my experience was my church experience. But um, I know that if I had grown up in a different way or maybe in a different religion or something like that, if I had chosen that for this life, I would have the same story in a different costume. So I preface that with this because I I definitely appreciate my upbringing and I appreciate Christianity and what it did for me in my journey, but it was kind of the perfect container for me to feel fulfilled when I felt appreciated and valued for the volunteer work, for my voice, for whatever I gave of myself, my time, my energy. As long as I felt valued and appreciated, I could keep giving until I was bone dry. And so a lot of times I would say yes to things that were just crazy. Like, I still can't believe I said yes to this, but I, I have no regrets. 
Um, but I was, gosh, was I 22? I think I was 22 or 23, one of the two, probably 23. And I was working for a private Christian school actually that I graduated from. And I was an executive assistant um, in the superintendent's office at this private school. And I was working really hard and long hours. It was a full-time, full-time job. And I was leading worship and I was a part of the young adults community at the church that I was attending. And I loved it. I definitely had some friends. I had just gotten over my first love, my breakup with my first boyfriend, um, which was quite an experience. And I've talked about him in previous episodes um, and that just that experience really, because it was such a huge catalyst, but I was, I was getting over it still, but I was pretty much over the hump of trauma, at least I thought. And um, I had gotten a apartment for the first time on my own, my first apartment ever um, in San Jose, California and right next to the school. So I was just a drive away. It was really awesome. I felt very adulty and wasn't living with my parents anymore and felt very adultish. And um, I basically was asked by one of the pastors. He was the young adult pastor at the time. I got approached in a really funny way. And there was actually a lot of, um, there's a lot of pushback from those leaders that were currently in a position of, you know, co-leadership with this pastor. They were kind of the, the leadership, the core leadership under the pastor of the young adults ministry. And some were okay with me and some were not. And there was a lot of transition happening. And so that caused a little bit more friction and chaos. And I was having flashbacks to when I went to school. Um, I was in my last year and I had a similar experience where I applied for a position and then the current staff actually didn't want me a part of the staff. And so they tried to thwart and throw me out and they won, they got their way. And um, so I was feeling all these past feelings of that, of not being wanted, of not want, being valued. And it just grew this hunger in me even more to prove myself, to prove my worth, to prove my value. And I'm sure so many of you guys can relate to that. You know, that's, that's a common experience that I think we all have um, in, in different costumes. Right. And so I think by me feeling rejected or not wanted, or, um, having that feeling again of like, there's a, there's a coalition, you know, happening a cohort, uh, against me coming on to this leadership team. And so I felt very insecure as a leader and just not worthy of it. Like I'm in no place to do this. I know I'm a pastor's daughter. I know that this pastor also knows me because he knows my dad who's the pastor, uh, pastor. And so I, I felt like I had this like upper hand and kind of like, oh, it's a given that she's going to become a part of the leadership team. And I hated that because I just wanted to be wanted for me, you know, not for who I am or who my dad is, you know, and, um, even my gifts, I just wanted to be wanted. Like you're a cool person. You have a big heart, like come join our team. That's all I wanted. And I wasn't getting that. So I had these really stupid meetings. I even snuck my recording on because I just wasn't sure what was going to be said. So I wanted to record it to have my back. Kept that for a while. Never had to use it. Um, but I just felt on guard. You know, I felt very unsafe and in church, you know, like the one place you should feel safe. And I felt like I was being ganged up on. And then other people were encouraging me like, hey, you got this. You're meant for this. Like, this is meant for you. We need you. We want you. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. 
And so I followed, I followed the yellow, yellow brick road, so to speak, of encouragement and pull. And I got presented one night. Um, I think it was, was it like the thanks? I think we had a Thanksgiving dinner or something like that that we celebrated with the young adults, like a Friendsgiving kind of thing. And he sat me down at one of the tables and said, you know, I need you. I need you to help. I need you to step in. Um, and if you don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so of course that puts this agenda on me and this hardship on me of, well, I don't want to let this pastor down. I actually have a kinship with this pastor. I've known him for many years or known of him for many years, but I really, you know, he has a charisma. He makes you feel so loved and appreciated and valued. I didn't want to let him down. And so I was leading worship for the young adults, as well as the main sanctuary or church gatherings on Sundays and any prayer meetings or healing meetings, I was always leading worship. And so he asked me to take over this house of women, nine women. And he wanted me to step in as manager and to manage, but because I was getting so much pushback from leadership and he was getting so much pushback from the current leadership who were transitioning anyways, um, he said, you know, come in as just one of the people, you know, and then we'll transition you as it works. And there was current leaders in place, but apparently things were going down and it just was going down in flames and he needed me to be there. So what do I do? I actually, it cost me thousands of dollars to break my lease because California is a bitch when it comes to that. And I think it was like around like two or three grand just to break my lease. Um, and so tons of money lost, right? Just so that I can transition into this home with nine women who at first like me because they think that I'm only one of them and I'm just one of the girls. And um, obviously I'm a leader in the, in the community. So there was that, but I wasn't a leader over the house. And so... <laughs> So it was like, oh, you're coming in. Oh, you're a part of the group and worked out perfectly. And everybody was happy. Maybe it wasn't Friendsgiving because I think it was actually in August. So it must have just been a potluck of some sort that we had. But um, anyway, details. Um, basically, I came in and within, I think, a month, I think it was like a month, all hell broke loose. And um, Two of the leaders had to be removed from leadership for their own personal choices. And I'll leave it at that. Um, so don't DM me about it because I'm not going to share it because it's their private matter and they're way past it now. And so there's no point in bringing it up. Um, but I don't agree with it now. And I didn't agree with it then. But because of the beliefs that we're indoctrinated in, you think, oh, okay, this is the this is, I guess, the right thing. But I didn't like how it was being handled. I felt like it was... Um, it was torture. I just felt like it was absolute torture. It was um, all about shame and guilt and, but, oh, but heal and feel forgiven, you know, feel, feel the forgiveness of God, but wallow, you know, in your decisions and have your noses rubbed in it is basically what ends up happening with the model that this church had and the leadership the pastors had. So, it was really sad to me. And I look back on it and I just, I'm, I kick myself. Like, I wish that I had been more, I guess, <laughs> I guess more healed because, or just, or I don't know, just under understood what I know now. 
you know, and I think that's also part of what, what we often feel in life. I'm going to try not to cry because I cried enough on Yasmin's episode. <laughs> you guys can see it, <laughs> but I think because it's something that I, that still hurts me, even though I don't have regrets, I've forgiven myself for going along with this plan. I, I think it still really hurts my heart. Um, because I played a part in it, even though I wasn't a main part, I played a part in this and I believed I was doing the right thing. Then I know that I wasn't now. Um, if I knew then what I know now, I would have done things really differently. And I would have advocated for them in a way, um, that I didn't. And I was very supportive, very loving. Um, I was there for them whenever they called and they did call. Um, and, you know, and just was fully supportive of all these ladies, um, for three years. So all that to say, um, gosh, basically I had to move rooms and I had to move into the main room, the master suite of this house, because that's where the leaders sleep. And, um, also that was part of the plan to separate these two women, um, and so, you know, because they had conflict and all of that. And so we had to separate them, but yet they were still allowed to be in the house because I think the hearts of the pastors were to not completely lose them. They didn't want to lose them by, <clears throat> excuse me, by kicking them out. And so I think because of that, they were allowed to stay in and it was their choice, but I think that that actually in the end did more damage and was more traumatic and more hurtful. Um, but who knows, right? Um, but that caused a lot of conflict with me between me and these ladies. And here I've lost thousands of dollars to do this. I'm being put in a really difficult situation that I was not given any prior knowledge to. There was, he didn't tell me what it was that he needed help with or why he needed me there. Just that I was going to transition into leadership at some point, right? Hey, I need you. I don't have a strong leader there, but he knew. He knew what was going on and, and he didn't say, he didn't tell me. And, um, this had been handled by prior leadership as well. They knew about it. And so it was just like, why didn't I get everything when I came in? Like, if you want me to lead these women, why wasn't I given any kind of heads up, you know? Um, so it was just, it was, it was a shit show to be honest. Um, but I got a lot of looks and I definitely had a change in uh, frequency and vibration, we'll say, <laughs> with these women because women are intuitive. We're very connected. So we sniff things out like crazy and they knew, like even though nothing was being communicated to any of the other women in the house, they knew something had happened. But I got the shit end of the stick because I'm the one basically moving in, you know, couldn't stay in my room. I would have stayed in my room otherwise. Um, and so now I look like this ladder climbing bitch, you know? And so now the girls don't know how to relate to me. Now they feel like I am conniving, cunning, you know, what's her real true agenda here. Um, and I tried to gather them together and I tried to bring back that connection, that bond that we had had previously. And, um, it just seemed like everything I did just made them more wary of me. It made them more um, conflicted and it also made them more um, untrusting 
if that makes any sense. So there was just a total lack of trust. And the other leader that I had there was um, new to Christianity and new to that lifestyle and was transitioning into the lifestyle of the Christian lifestyle and was not having an easy time. She did not have an easy year either. Um, And so she was my only person, you know, like there that understood me, that saw behind closed doors, that we had the private conversations. She also knew everything that was happening. So she was the only one that really didn't judge me. And I think she advocated for me um, mostly. I'm not sure, you know, what was said like privately to the girls, but it was clear that nothing I did was helpful. And they didn't know any of, you know, the sacrifice of me even just doing this and what it took. And, um, you know, they didn't know and they didn't need to know and it wasn't helpful to them, but they didn't know my heart. They didn't see my heart. And so they found me to be really emotionless. And what they didn't know was that behind closed doors was where I laid it all out. And, and I just wanted to be strong for them because I knew that this was really hard, you know, and this was a really difficult year. And, and so I wanted to be available. I didn't want to pour my emotions and my concerns and my worries on them. I wanted to be a safe space for them to unload onto me because that's why I'm here. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. And again, as an insecure leader, I so needed their validation, their, their value, their, you know, appreciation. I needed to know that they respected me, that they honored me, um, that they trusted me. And I was super insecure because of the whole situation and circumstance, as well as just, I had already been struggling with it. And the reason why I said yes to this was because I felt valued, wanted, appreciated, and needed. And so I said yes to this because I needed to know that I could live up to that and that I was worthy of this opportunity. And so I'm going to step into it. Right. But it was coming from, it felt like that, but it was actually coming from a place of not feeling worthy of not feeling value and feeling like I had to earn it. Does that make sense to anybody? So that's, that's where I was actually coming from was that mindset that you have to do in order to be, that you have to earn it, you know, and trust, I think is earned. Like trust has to be earned. Love is free, but trust is earned. But when it comes to our worth and our value, we don't need to earn it. It's, it comes in the package of when we are born, you know, we come in this world worthy. We come in this world valuable, you know, like we come in this world, um, not lacking anything, um, and deserving of love, deserving of kindness, deserving of compassion, you know? And so I felt like I had to earn it. And so I, I was doing my damnedest goodest job at earning appreciation, value, worth. And, um, I ran myself into the fucking dirt. And many nights I couldn't sleep. Um, I did everything I could do to sleep. I even took sleeping aids. Um, anything happened, I would fly off the rail and just would get so stressed out. I, I was never like angry, angry, but um, I would get so stressed out because I felt like all nine women's lives are dependent on me. You know, if anything happens to them in this house, they could sue me, they can sue the church. Um, even though there are adults here, I know we didn't sign any 
release of liability, you know, and then here I'm dealing with this situation, which is actually like, you know, anybody can say anything, you know, anybody can say, she said, he said, you know, or she touched me or she did this, or she, you know, told me this. And so I felt like I was put in such a legal, like not a good legal place, you know, because here I live with these women and there's such a, there's such a dynamic and how do I, how can I trust these women when they don't even trust me? And I don't feel like they, like they even have my best interest, you know, that they kind of want me out. Um, and so I just stuck with it. And then of course, another year came, um, and we had new leadership and that pastor that had originally asked me to be in the leadership ended up leaving. And then a new pastor came over and took on the shit show himself. And, uh, I tried to explain things. I tried to help him understand and, uh, he ended up bringing in uh, two leaders that weren't really integrated in to the church leadership, and they were not healthy leaders themselves, and they ended up basically taking over and pushing me out. So what ended up happening <laughs> from the beginning happened eventually later on, and then I'm left having given every ounce of me to these women being up for hours with them sometimes, counseling them, loving on them, holding them as they cry, um, coming through for them whenever I needed to. It didn't matter where or when I was there. Um, if they caught themselves in a bad situation, I was there for them. And they knew they could call me whenever. And some of them did. Some of them were just skeptical of me the whole time and just walled up and didn't trust me because of what had happened and what they speculated I was doing and whatever. And so it was really heartbreaking, um, but it's funny to me that it ended up being that way that then I still even got pushed out after, you know, I did everything that I did. I was not valued. I was not appreciated. It was said with words. It was not, it was not demonstrated in actions. And um, I just, I just basically put my hands up and said, sure, have it all. And then they ended up closing the program. So um, I think they just felt like it was, uh, it was too much liability. It was too difficult and, um, they didn't know how to manage it. They didn't even understand the vision of it. And so it basically dissolved. And then I was left just leading worship and still feeling, you know, like very much like I had no grace for anything. I had no energy for anything, but music was, kind of my saving grace and was the place that I felt like I was filled up, but I still had the same issue of needing to feel valued and needing to feel respected, appreciated, loved, wanted. And I wasn't getting that in any kind of relationship. I was single for the whole bit from my first relationship to my last relationship I was in. I was single for five, six years before I met my last partner um, and I just had no desire for it, um, really, because I wasn't meeting anybody that was even felt like an alignment or like they, they understood me or really wanted me. You know, some people I felt like were attracted to me because they see me on stage and they hear my voice and it wasn't ever like an authentic expression of interest, you know? And so I saw so many women get, you know, dates and, and then eventually engaged and married. And it was just a beautiful process to witness, but I had no one. 
I, and now I didn't even have the girls because as soon as that ministry dissolved, even though I had left or been pushed out, um, it was just horrific. Like no one would even like, look at me. And if they looked at me, it was like, I hate you. You know, (laughs) it's like, I, I don't like you. I don't want to be around you. I don't want to talk to you. And it's like, so sad. Like, dude, like I spent hours with you. And I even had one of the girls, actually the, my, um, my second, I guess you could say my leader, my assistant manager, she actually, uh, did a few things that were really hurtful in that third year of being in leadership, but not really in leadership. It was kind of a weird transition, but, um, she ended up doing things like, uh, lying so that I couldn't join a group of women meeting together and hanging out together. And I was, I was so badly wanting to be involved and wanting to have friendship again, because, um, I had had a taste of that from the very beginning of the first year, like the first month of the first year that I was there. And I knew these women were beautiful women, um, inside and out. And were just so much fun to be around. And, um, and I wanted to be a part of that so bad. And then, um, and then she kind of worked it where, um, I was lied to. And I guess the host of that, um, night, figured it out and let me, let me know. And, um, I had a couple of the girls who were also in on it that wanted to be a part of it and were trying to make it happen. Then try to apologize to me. They were afraid that I thought ill of them, but I, I, I kind of knew, you know, and figured and just understood like, this is, um, this is humans being humans. Um, it doesn't feel good though. And especially after all the sacrifice and after everything I did, um, it felt uh, really hurtful. And so I, I just was left with like this gaping wound of here. I followed this journey. You know, I lost thousands of dollars to break a lease that I had just gotten and all, all for what, you know, so that I could feel valued and and worthy so that I could be appreciated and wanted and needed and fulfill that and fill that need. Like when did it, when did it ever dawn on me in this process that maybe, maybe I'm not meant to do that. Maybe that's not meant for me. You know, maybe that's not, not where I'm actually really needed. And this person just sees, oh, this person's willing. So hopefully I can rope them in. Right. And I just didn't have that perspective because I was so desperate. And I know that so many people have that in the workplace. And this is actually translated in the workplace as well, where my work and what I do and um, the, the excellence or the level of excellence of my work or accuracy, um, directly is, you know, reflects my value and my worth and what I bring to the table and to the team. And there is an element of that. That's true, but I was so insecure that even just the slightest mistake would just wreck me for like an entire day, if not an entire week. And I would just be reeling and that would actually cause me to miss more things and make more mistakes because I was so consumed and I was so afraid. And then I wasn't looking with fresh eyes on things, you know, and I'm, I'm naturally detail oriented. So it's like for me to not be naturally functioning in my natural function. And some people are like excellent organizational people. They can just see something and just flip things so that they work out. And, you know, and some people just have amazing business sense and, um, they're just business savvy. But if we ever get into that place where we need 
to feel valued and respected and honored and wanted and needed, we don't realize that we already are valuable. Like this is who I am. I bring, I add value. I don't need it from you. Like sure. People can express their gratitude. They can express their appreciation, but that should just be the overflow, right? It shouldn't be what fills you up. And I think that was a hard lesson for me so many times, whether it was when I was in college and I felt like, oh, having this position gives me respect and honor and I'll be appreciated for the work that I do. And look, I'm helping the world. I'm helping thousands of teenagers come um, every summer to the summer camp. And I'm helping students as they're developing their youth ministry skills, you know, and um, youth specialty skills. And I'll be a part of that. Like, how cool is that? How fun? Like, I want to be a part of that. And I want I want to feel valued. I want to add value, which is not a bad thing, but it's that thought of like, I lack. Therefore, I need to do in order to be, right? And it's sneaky. It's very sneaky. And sometimes it's hard to, to realize that or to see that within ourselves, right? It's not easy. I feel like it's very sneaky, just like self-rejection is very sneaky because it comes as you are... Um, you're just uh, protecting yourself, right? You're just making sure that you see things for how they really are. But really you're actually self-rejecting before you can be rejected because you don't wanna get hurt. It's easier to self-reject and to hurt than to be rejected and hurt. And I think the same thing goes for that. It, it is a need that we have to be valued, but we have to know that we are already valuable. And if the two, you know, come together, then it's a perfect marriage, right? It's a perfect match because you know your value and people are acknowledging your value. Then in both instances, you don't lack, you don't need, you don't need people's approval or their, their appreciation or their validation to feel valued. But that's not an easy thing to identify sometimes. And it sometimes takes really hard life lessons. And for so many years, I blamed everyone else for, for what had happened. I didn't see that it actually let, I led myself down this path and ultimately it benefits me, right? I'm no longer an insecure leader. I know my worth. I know my value. I don't need other people to tell me what I'm worth in order to feel valued um, or valuable or worthy, like worthy to be on a podcast and to be a host. Who the hell am I? Right. I'm just Whitney Apke. Like, who am I to do this and to inform and to, to love on you guys and have this container? But I know my worth and I also know my purpose and I know why I came here. And this perfectly matches and is in line with that. It's aligned. And that's what we need to remember is what is in alignment, you know, with us. And those things that I had said yes to that ended up being painful, painful lessons and I ended up getting even looked at the person that was with me through it all and knew, knew behind scenes and behind closed doors. She had disrespected and hurt me the most by her actions of trying to exclude me, kick me out, um, you know, banish me, I guess, from her, what she perceived as her personal friend group, which we were all friends within the community. She purposefully excluded me. And then she basically was blaming me for her pain 
when all I ever did was completely support her. And so clearly she had unhealed things. There were things in her that she needed to deal with and she was taking it out of me, which is fine. Um, you know, I think I've always been a scapegoat in a sense. And so I'm used to it, but it just, I didn't expect it from somebody that really truly knew my heart. And I think that's what killed. And what's cool is that about mm, 10 years later, <laughs> we reconciled. Um, she actually ended up sending me a DM and I DM'd her back and it was lovely and beautiful. I think, uh, there are some things that you can never take back, you know, and we learn that. So I've learned that hard lesson that there's some bridges that I burned that I wish I had never burned, but I burned them in pain, right? I burned them when I was hurting, when I was at my weakest. And I felt like I just had to burn the whole world around me in order to feel safe because then nobody can come after me, right? No, nothing bad can happen to me. And I, I just built a wall up. So I get it when people do the same thing because I've been there and I understand that. Um, and I have compassion on them because I know if you're doing that, you must be really hurting and you have real pain, you know? Um, and we all experience that at different times in our lives and at any level. So say this all to say, it's not that nothing gets redeemed in the end or that you can learn that lesson, but I don't believe that I had to walk through that in order to learn that lesson. I could have learned that lesson long ago, but because I didn't learn that lesson, it actually guided me into getting presented with a perfect opportunity to learn. And I still didn't even learn after that and had had it showing up back in my career as I was trying to pursue a professional career after ministry did not work out. And so then I went into the professional world, became a banker of all things. And that was a horrible fucking environment. And, um, my, my own boss was trying to, um, trying to make it that I stole money and I know I didn't steal money. And I knew that my counts all matched up and there was no money missing, um, from my drawer, but I was getting blamed for it. Um, and so I just, I just left cause it was like, here we go again. And yet I needed, I needed their approval. I wanted their approval. I wanted, I wanted to feel a valued member of the team of that office. And it, it continued to happen in career in friendships. And when I went back into church and was still a part of church, God, it just kept coming up and up and up and up and up until finally it dawned on me. This is happening because I keep saying yes to things because I have such an insatiable desire to be valued, to be appreciated. And if someone says that they have a need, I'll do it. I'm that, I'm that chick. I'm the yes chick. You know, I will always be the yes chick, right? Is how I would viewed myself and that I couldn't let anything go that was an opportunity um, to, to show what I have to offer. And um, and I found that also in my relationships too, my partnerships, and uh, that that was also coming up there that I felt like I needed to prove that I was a good partner or a good person or, you know, in, in all instances. And so this is a sneaky thing that we can all feel at different times in our life, or maybe it's also part of your kind of like life journey of one of your life lessons of understanding your worth and your value. And I just want to now give you just a couple tips and tricks as to how to acknowledge this. So 
I always sit on a decision now before I say yes. So I don't care where it's at. If it's at work and they're presenting me with a new project opportunity that is outside of the scope of influence of what my job description says and the projects that I might take on and I'm not getting paid more for this, but they're just wanting me to step in right and do it. I love how that always happens. Um, when you're salaried, you know, they just assume you're just going to do whatever they want you to, to do. And I would say, yeah, cool. Let me think about that because that actually means that I'll be working longer hours and without an increase in pay. Cause you say that I'm not going to get a stipend or I'm not going to get a raise or anything for taking on this long-term project. And so I need to make sure that I have work-life balance. And so I need to sit on it and I will let you know tomorrow, you know? Um, or by the end of this week, you know, and I, I learned that I had to sit on things and not just say, yeah, yeah, I'll do it because they have a need, you know? Um, and so that's one thing that I always, I put that up for myself as a barrier so that I could take the time to sit on it and to see if it resonated, if it had P, if I had peace with the decision, um, if I had lack of peace, if it caused stress and anxiety within me, I was able to kind of check it out and check how I actually really truly felt about it because I didn't know how I felt about it unless I sat on it, right? So that's one thing that I've done that has changed the game, whether it's been in friendships, relationships, even parties or hangouts or groups, you know, um, I, I've had to, even with that, basically weigh things and just say, hey, I'll let you know. You know, I have a lot going on, but I will let you know, you know, when, when do you want me to let you know when, um, you know, if I can make it or not, when do you need to know by, you know, cause I want to be considerate. And so I just realized that me saying maybe, you know, basically the maybe chick instead of the yes chick actually created this beautiful boundary where I got to honor my energy and I got to honor where I was feeling in that moment um, and in that time, in that season in my life, because there's, you know, seasons for everything. So sometimes you're in a season where you're busting ass, you know, and you really actually don't need to be taking on anything else where you don't need to be around a certain group of people where you know that you're going to be probably more giving energy out, um, more supportive than you are receiving. And so sometimes, you know, like, I mean, I'm kind of an in-between. I'm like a, I think I'm 48% introverted, 52% um, extroverted on my last test that I took. And so some, I literally have to gauge it because I love hanging around people. It is like my favorite thing. I love hanging around people. Um, people fill me up, but sometimes I'm in an energy where I am not being filled up by being around people. It actually is extremely draining and it isn't honoring my energy. So a lot of times I end up feeling like, ah, obligated to go and to show face and what will they think if I don't, right? And so I've learned the hard way when I've said yes to something by feeling pressured or how will I be perceived, right? It comes all the way back to that, like of being valued, being appreciated, being wanted, being needed and getting a party invitation, you know, like that feels really needed. Like, oh, they want me there. They want me a part of it. They want me included. And, um, and so automatically I'd say yes, because I want, I want to be included. I want to be wanted and I can't. I can't say no, right? <sighs> Learned so many lessons. So setting up a boundary and just saying maybe, 
um, and saying, I need to sit on it, you know, and you think that you're not going to get respected. You actually get more respect when you do that because they understand that you're not a pushover and you're not the yes man or yes woman. So they know that they can't just drop something on you and you're going to cave to the pressure. You actually get it, get more respect. Even if you feel like you get pushback on it or they're annoyed that you're not just giving a yes, um, they actually do respect you more because you respect yourself. They respect you. It's just a natural occurrence. The other thing is for big decisions or, or decisions that make me feel like, whoa, that's really weighty. Like that's going to drastically change my future. You know, my, my, this year, this month, I end up sitting on those things even more. And I ask myself, why am I considering this? You know, I know my path. I know what I'm here to do now more than ever. And so why am I considering this? What is pulling me to say yes? You know, and I ask that because a lot of times I end up realizing that, oh, I feel like if I say yes to this, that I will get, you know, maybe a lot of applause or a lot of uh, followers or, and I'm just throwing things out there, but, you know, a lot of um, recognition, acknowledgement, value, worth, appreciation. Um, I'm realizing that I, I will get that. And that's why this is drawing me because of the opportunity of being more seen or more heard. Right. And so that's not a good place. That's not the place to say yes to something, you know, that is not the place to, to say yes. That is, that is not a good reason, but it feels like a really good reason. Right. So oftentimes I would see, and I would check. And sometimes it was because I really felt a passion. I felt like even if it was a tiny, like little flicker of a flame that it was like, oh, I feel, I feel energized by that. Like just that thought alone is sparking this, this passionate desire to, to do that, to experience that. So if that's the case, then that's a good reason to consider it. But I would even go deeper than that, you know, and now I definitely go deeper than that. I don't do anything without hearing from my soul spiritual team, my guides, my angels, my ancestors, I ask for signs every time. And I just weigh things out. I don't care how long it takes. If it's a dream, if it's numerology, you know, angel numbers, if it's a specific type of butterfly, you know, flower, bird, I just, I ask for just any kind of sign, any, anything. So what's funny is as I've been stepping into kind of a new role in the last month, all of a sudden I had bees around me like crazy. And it was actually when I was just launching my Patreon membership and bees kind of make me nervous. I've never been stoned. So I don't really have like a reason to fear bees, but it's just kind of unnerving when they come right up into your face, when they buzz next to your ear, um, when they come onto your clothes or onto your hand or, you know, it just is kind of scary because, you know, they got that stinger and you just don't know like what, how they're going to react. So as I'm meditating outside on my patio, all of a sudden my eyes are closed. I'm in this like total Zen moment, just totally connecting to the universe and all of a sudden like right into my face and poor thing. I smacked it. Just, it was like a, ah, you know, like moment. <laughs> 
and and I accidentally smacked the poor bee and it hit the wall and fell down but it was it wasn't dead it lived um but I felt so bad because I was like ah, I never want to hurt anything intentionally uh, it just scared the shit out of me but all of a sudden I had bees around me all the time like I had no food I would go without perfume. I even didn't put hair products in my hair. I was like, what is attracting these bees to me? Like, this is scaring me so bad. And, and I'm getting bees caught in my hair. I'm getting all this stuff happening. And it's like constant bees. Like I can't go outside and not get a couple bees like curious about me. So one day my neighbor uh, cause she saw, I got into a panic because a bee got caught in my hair. I had my hair fluffy tossed to the side. You guys have seen it on the podcast and, um, and a bee got caught in my hair and she's like, Oh, just one second. Just, and she like goes, I'm like, what, 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 you know, like, I just like, what is happening? What is happening? And then I hear it and I hear it in my hair. So then I'm like trying not to freak out, but I am, you know, I'm like, oh, like clenching. And she goes, Oh, Oh, it got, okay. It's free. It's gone. You know, I'm like, okay. Okay. And then I just bolt. <laughs> I still bolt, even though I have nothing to bolt about. Uh, she's like, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Don't, don't freak out. So then she looked it up. She's like, I wonder what the spiritual meaning of bees are. And it was totally stepping into empowerment, the goddess energy, um, abundance, and not just working hard and representing working hard, but yielding every, everything that you do that you touch yields abundance and, um, comes to fruition is a Christian word, which just means that it, it comes into, um, it, it becomes, uh, prosperous. It, it becomes, you know, you become wealthy, um, it basically adds value to your life, right? It sustains you. It's, um, it's something that is, uh, is provision for you, right? So as you're working hard and being dedicated and, and, you know, not giving up and working hard, that provision is going to come, abundance is going to come, you know, prosperity is going to come. And so that was really interesting that during the season, and it still happens every now and again, but not as much. It's so crazy. I was even on my fast. I'm like, I'm not even eating nothing that they would want. Like, I mean, they like fruit, but I'm not eating fruit outside, you know? And when I did, I regretted it because then I had to ward off bees from my, you know, peach or my plum and be like, it's my plum, <laughs> my peach. Um, and I would have to just bolt with Winston and just run to try to get away from them. Um, so all that to say, like I've asked for signs and that was such a clear, um, confirmation for me that I had been asking for. I didn't ask for bees to confirm it for me, but I had asked just for confirmation that I'm stepping into a new role of authority and empowerment. And I'm, I'm purposefully, I know I'm ready for it. And I know that this is an up level. And I, I just want to confirm that I'm, I'm on the right path. Again, I, because of my painful experiences, I don't want to do anything. So I'm like, reveal it in me. If it's still there, get it out, you know, show me and I'll, I'll heal that again in whatever way I need to and release. But I always ask for signs and confirmation. And that was a huge confirmation for me. Um, even though I didn't really enjoy it very much, it was super confirming when she read the, just the spiritual description of bees and bees being around you. I have bees coming into my house. I had bees. Oh, it's just, yeah, it was a lot. 
it was a lot. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't happy with that. I was like, could we have done something else? You know, um, not so unnerving, but I'm sure my spiritual team just got a kick out of that. Um, the, you know, I felt like I could almost hear the snickers, you know, all in love and good and fun. But I think they, you know, it was like, perfect. Let's do this. You know, this is going to be some entertainment. (laughs) Um, so all that to say, I think setting up that boundary and instead of being a yes person or just saying no to everything because you're afraid, I think being a maybe person and giving yourself time to honor your energy and sit with it and really say yes with wisdom and understanding of where you're saying yes from. And then um, asking for direction and confirmation and really sitting on that and being okay was sitting on it until you hear, because oftentimes the process of sitting with something is exactly what you need. So a lot of people get really upset when they feel like they don't hear immediately or they don't get it confirmed immediately. Sometimes the process of you sitting in something is needed. That's why it's not being confirmed to you immediately because you need to sit in it. And sometimes the process of trusting that you're divinely guided, trusting that you're divinely protected and that you do hear sometimes that process of coming into that and, and really sitting with that and wrestling with that and, and basically putting the stick in the mud of, do I, or do I not believe that I am connected, that I can hear that I am divinely guided and inspired, you know, stick in that stick, whichever one. Sometimes it, it means that we are, we are picking and choosing, right. And we are, we are making a decision from a core belief place. And so that's why it's so important. What do you actually believe? Because life will test it again and again and again and again until you are firm and you don't need to be asked or tested again. You will still be tested. So that's another way for you to not be tested in this way anymore is to actually heal whatever needs to be healed and to go to a core belief, maybe whatever. I always ask all of my clients in spiritual coaching sessions, where, what is that anchored down into? What is the memory that that is connected to? What is the past experience? What is the thought? What is the belief? What is the feeling? And oftentimes we get down to the root of it. I had a client too, that she realized that, um, oh, what was it that she realized she had a total realization? Oh, what was it? I think it was around not being enough. And that she just always felt not good enough. And, but when it hit her, it was like, you know, whoa, boom, you know, click. And that was it. That's all she needed. And she was like, got it. I see it. And I haven't had to have a session with her since because she just rolled with it as soon as it came to her and it ignited that, that aha moment, as Oprah says, it struck her in such a cool, awesome, real way. And it was her ticket to freedom. Cause then once she realized I have a core belief, no matter what anyone says, I could get appreciation, like a gallery of appreciation. People could erect a monument in my honor. And I would still believe that I'm not good enough. When she realized that it was like, boom, you know, boom, see the lie, you know, see what that is. It's not real. It's not true. So I think a lot of times when we look down and see what is that hooked into, like, where's that pull coming from? You know, is that because you feel not good enough? You know, is that where it's anchored into, or is it anchored into, um, you know, I will always lack, right? 
Um, things are never going to work out for me. I'm going to get the rug pulled out from under me, right? Just when I get my hopes up, just when everything is working out, you know, rug pulled up under you and boom, you're on your ass, you know, with nothing, lost everything. There are people that exist that way and constant, constantly feeling like they are going to get the rug pulled out from under them, that the ground is going to open up beneath their feet and swallow them you know, and that's an awful fucking place to be. But how we get over that is we see what is that anchored into? Sometimes it's not even something that is of this incarnation from us directly. Sometimes it is something that is karmic, past life related, right? Past life karma related that you're dealing with now. Sometimes it's ancestral. It's something that's passed down to you in your DNA because that is actually stored in your DNA is what your past ancestors have experienced, the hardships they've experienced, and why you feel like you're never going to have enough, that you're always going to be living paycheck to paycheck, wondering if that paycheck is even going to come. So it's so important that we actually sit in things and we find the hook. And what is that? What is that anchored into, right? What is that hooked into? And it's tugging on you and bringing you back into a place that is not healthy is not from a place of truth is not from a place of love or wisdom and isn't isn't from spirit isn't divinely inspired it's actually lowing your vibe literally right it's causing you to doubt yourself to self-reject to sabotage to um to also reject others and isolate and um so it's really 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 good i think those are my top three is setting up boundaries. That's the first one. And then the second one is sitting in, in being divinely guided and inspired. And maybe it's not your guides, right? Maybe it's not your ancestors or you don't feel connected in that way, but you just feel like that gut instinct, right? It could be that. That is how you're divinely guided. And I'd encourage you to check out your human design um, because that also kind of gives you an understanding of how you're guided of how you hear where, where you make your decisions from. For me, it's my solar plexus. It's my gut. It's my instinct, my intuition. I'm very instinctual. And a lot of times my instinct switches and flips. And I just have to trust, even though it doesn't make sense, maybe with what's going on, I have to trust that I'm hearing correctly, that I'm, that I'm being guided by what my spirit knows, right? By what my soul knows, because that transcends time my spirit can see the future, right? My spirit knows what's coming up ahead. And so a lot of times I'm making a decision that doesn't quite make sense in the moment, but it will later. And there's been so many times where I've been so grateful that I listened to that instinct, to that gut, to the, to my soul team, my spirit team, um, whoever it is, whatever it is, if it's God for you, if you're, you know, um, if you're a Christian or a Catholic, it's God, or it's one of the saints, or, or maybe you're Muslim and it's Allah, you know, if it's, uh, if you're Buddhist, Hindu, it doesn't matter if you're just spiritual, doesn't matter what you believe. It's just coming from an authentic place of understanding that you are divinely guided and your team will speak to you however they need to speak to you. Angels, guides, ancestors, spirit, God, universe, source will speak to you however it needs to speak to you for you to hear. So that's in whatever in whatever way you need, right? Um, so a lot of times I before I was getting angel numbers, I was getting scriptures and I would wake up at a certain time and then I would hear 
I would hear a number oftentimes or see a number in my mind. And then, so I'd see that number in my mind and then I'd look at my clock and it's five and then 315. And so I'm like, oh, that's Deuteronomy 315. Sure enough, it'd be like, boom, like a scripture that is like perfect for what I'm going through. Super encouraging, super uplifting and inspiring. And that's how I was divinely guided for so many years, like all throughout my childhood, high school and college and after college until all of a sudden I learned about angel numbers. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Didn't think anything of it. All of a sudden I started having dreams with tons of angel numbers. I started Googling things. I'm like, okay, so there was a number 219 and then 316, you know, and <laughs> 336. And then there was like all these different numbers and I'm looking them up and they all lead into a story that I'm just like, can't make it up. <laughs> and so you just have to know you're divinely guided inspired. So being a maybe person, setting up that boundary, honoring your energy, trusting that you're divinely guided and inspired by whatever and whoever you believe and trust in yourself included in that. And three, finding the anchor going down deep. Why do you feel a pull to this? Why is this pulling you forward into going down that path? What is it that is pulling you and evaluating that, checking that, checking that out, taking the time. Don't just do it for five seconds. Take the time to do it because uh, that will show you what actually comes up. And I think that's also in, in part of the being divinely guided is a lot of times my soul team will bring something up as I'm sitting on something of why am I wanting to make that decision? And then they'll bring it up and I'll go, oh, I, I never, I didn't see that. Thank you for that. I, I will I will address that and heal that right now. <laughs> and then I'm like, cool. And then sometimes it's coming from a really authentic place and it's part of my purpose and calling and my destiny. And I'm like, man, fucking fantastic. Let's do it. You know? <laughs> so I'm like, woo, forward, forward march. <laughs> and then I feel great. So I just want to encourage you guys, man, you know, this life, this life can be rough and challenging. And it's even more challenging when we have that insatiable desire to be valued, appreciated, respected, wanted, needed, loved, right? And we feel like we have to earn it in order to have it or be it. That's the hang up, you know? And so I just want to encourage you guys to have those three barriers, those three conditions that you set up for yourself so that that way, when you make a decision, you're making it from a place of wisdom, setting up a boundary, honoring yourself, honoring your energy, um, not feeling pressured by anything because you know everything is meant for your good and benefit and you're going to find out exactly what that is. Even if it's the process of saying maybe, not yes or no, but having a limbo state, a transition state is often uncomfortable, but that is where a lot of things, precious things get spoken to us, get shown to us and get formed within us. So that's a great process, but it can feel very fiery, very much like you are being molded, you know, and sometimes that's uncomfortable. And then also, you know, really leaning into your guidance system, inner guidance system, outward guidance system with your angels, your source, uh, spirit, God, universe, you know, whatever, whoever you align with. And then also really evaluating where am I coming from with this? Why do I feel a pull or why do I not? Oftentimes we're totally feel discredited. We feel not worthy. And so we just say no, because we don't want to disappoint and we don't want to disappoint ourselves. And eventually that that's hurtful, right? So we just rather stay small than get big. 
So that's another thing too. I forgot to mention that. Um, so I just want to encourage you guys with that. And I hope that this has been encouraging for you, inspiring for you, giving you little nuggets of wisdom from my personal experiences and the things that I've experienced and learned the hard way and sometimes the easy way. Um, and this was just a hard, hard lesson that came from a place of such, such a big heart, you know, a, such a big heart for people and wanting to serve people, but it was in coming out of a place of twistedness because it was coming from a place of insecurity and lack. So anytime we can have a great big heart and great intentions, but when we, when we are twisted, right, that's actually what wicked means. That's why like Wiccan furniture, right, comes from that same root word of twisted. It, it doesn't actually mean evil. It just means it's twisted. And so therefore, instead of being right, you know, um, not twisted up, something that is good can be twisted and can be turned wicked. And then it doesn't work, right? It doesn't work how it's supposed to, to work and how it's supposed to be an ebb and a flow of giving and receiving openness, right? Vulnerability and honesty and uh, being received and being given back to and having that exchange is something that's so important, but we can't do that when we have things that are unhealed in us that cause our intentions to be wicked, to be twisted up um, and not flowing properly. So I just want to encourage you guys with that. Sit in it, you know, lean in, tune in, connect because you will be guided by that and you will end up not experiencing painful lessons you actually have foresight and wisdom and we'll see a lesson before it comes and we'll get to be you know get that opportunity to be triggered in that way or to respond um, to what's coming up within you without even being triggered right and then you don't have to learn that lesson the hard way um, like I have so many times and so I want to save you from that as much as I can I can't save you completely because it's all your choice and I just want to encourage you with that that again there's no judgment don't be critical of yourself don't be judgmental of yourself whatever you choose you are meant to experience and it will benefit you in the end um, even though it may be painful, but it will benefit you. All things work for your good and your highest benefit and for the benefit of all. I love you all so much. I'll see you guys here next week.